The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Do you have that couple in your neighborhood, that sweet little old couple that everybody adores? Because I did growing up, and it was our next-door neighbors, the Andersons, and then down the street, maybe four houses, the Wilsons. And the Andersons raised all their children, and they were like family to us. You'd see them every single day, every single night. That's who these people remind me of. And I'm talking about Reed and Miriam Beck, ages 73 and 72. So what does the sweet couple next door have to do with a double dismemberment? I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. First of all, take a listen to our friend Dave Mack. Miriam and Reed Beck have been married for more than 43 years. The couple set up a good life in Abington Township, Pennsylvania, where Miriam works as a school nurse for more than 20 years, and Reed works as a training director for the Steamfitters Local 420, long enough to retire. The Becks have two children. Their daughter works at a Catholic school for special needs children. Their son, Justin, has a special relationship with his mother, communicating every day, either through text or phone calls. And even after all these years, the couple still have a loving relationship. Neighbors report the Becks can be seen walking daily in the neighborhood, hand in hand. And that's just like Grady and Beulah Anderson that live next to us my whole life growing up. Every evening, not when it was dark but not when it was still hot during the day in middle Georgia. 
about when everyone had come home from work and had had supper and maybe were settling in to watch TV, they would go out and go for a walk hand in hand every single night, very slowly. I always noticed that they would stop and like if someone had planted a new bush in their yard or, you know, rake the leaves, they would stand there for the longest time. I don't know what they were saying to each other, but they would stand there hand in hand and they'd look at the bush and they'd look at the roses and, and then they'd keep walking. And needless to say, they had a beautiful yard, perfect yard. And so they would stop and look at everybody else's yard and just the sweetest people you'd ever want to meet. And that's what I think about these two. And when I'm reading about Mr. Beck, it reminds me of my dad. My dad was in the union and worked on the railroad. This guy was a training director for the Steamfitters local 420 his whole life, it looks like, because he retired with them. Now, back to how does this fit in with a double dismemberment? Take a listen to this. Neighbors become worried as newspapers begin piling up outside the back home. Son Justin, who talked with his mother often, begins getting text messages only. Then, for over a week, nothing. Justin Beck goes to the home. The lights are off, but his parents' vehicles are parked outside. Inside, Beck finds something resembling a corpse wrapped in a bloody sheet. 911 is called, and police find the Beck's dismembered bodies. Mm, mm. Okay, now that I've got this in my head, all I can think about are Grady and Beulah Anderson. And I remember asking my mom, like, I would be at Court TV or at HLN or at Fox Nation now. And I would call my parents on the way home from work and go, how are you? What's going on? Have you seen Grady and Beulah out walking? And mother would say yes. Or daddy would say yes. And so they're fine. And whenever we'd have a big meal, we'd always take food over to Grady and Beulah. And now I'm thinking about this couple, and I'm also looking at their pictures because they're really, really a lovely couple. A double dismemberment. Let me go to, well, we've got a fabulous panel, uh, and I'll get to them one by one. But first, to Cheryl McCollum, uh, forensic expert and founder of the Cold Case Research Institute. She's also the host of a brand new podcast, which I love. Haven't been invited on yet. I guess invitation in the mail, snail mail. Zone 7 is her new hit podcast, and you can find her at coldcasecrimes.org. Cheryl, um, you've been with me many times when we would be in court or wherever we were, and I would call home to check on mother and daddy. And what's interesting, uh, and I'm talking about probative, of probative value, something that you can prove, is that this son of the two would always call mm-hmm. and text every day, but his ma- main MO, modus operandi, method of operation, was to call home and speak. And, you know, that's just like my mom and dad because they weren't good at texting at that point. Uh, my mom's great at it now, but we would call and talk. And when then suddenly mom no longer picking up the phone, but it's continuing to text right there. I smell a rat because there's a, a change in routine. No question. You and I talk all the time about patterns, patterns, patterns. Once that pattern is broken, that should be the first red flag. This crime took a lot of time to commit, but the cover-up, the 
you know, the length of time the person had from the time the crime ended until when the son really began to be concerned to go over there, they had a week, Nancy. Oh, a week to stage and to do everything. You know, I want you to take a listen to our friend Maggie Kent at WPVI. How do you go from no calls for service to probably one of the worst crimes that we have seen. Abington police got the call for a wellness check at 1165 Beverly Road, made by the son of the couple who lived there. Responding officers could not have imagined what was going on inside. What they discovered, you can't unsee that. A married couple in their 70s, Reed and Miriam Tony Beck, were found murdered and dismembered by a chainsaw. Murdered and dismembered by a chainsaw? Has everybody and their cousin been watching Dexter and they think it's so easy to dismember a body? I've got news for you. It is not easy to dismember a body. Not at all. The Lord made us pretty sturdy. And I'm going to go to an expert. If you thought I was going to say Cheryl McCollum, no, she has never dismembered a body. Not that I know of anyway. But I got a guy with me who can tell you all about it. Dr. Kendall Crowns, Chief Medical Examiner, Tarrant County, that's Fort Worth, lecturer, University of Texas, Austin, and Texas Christian University Medical School. That's not shabby, Dr. Kendall Crowns. Dr. Kendall Crowns, could you tell me how difficult is it to dismember, saw apart a body? I mean, think about it. Hold on, hold on, Dr. Crowns. Let's go to Karen Stark. She's this little bitty, petite, beautiful, precious. She looks like a doll that would just break apart. Psychologist, or renowned psychologist, as a matter of fact, joining us out of Manhattan. She's a trauma and crime expert. You can find her at KarenStark.com. That's Karen with a C. Karen, have you ever tried to saw anything in half? Ever. I've never used a saw, Nancy, but I have to tell you, anybody, and we both know this, anybody who would even attempt to dismember a body who is not a forensic expert trying to be there as a medical examiner, anything like that, it takes guts. I mean, can I ask you, Karen Stark, um, aside from the yeah. Moral and physical fortitude you believe it takes to saw a body apart, even though you've never picked up a saw in your life. Could you give me, in less than five words, why you've never tried to saw anything in half? Um, I never do any of that kind of work. <laughs> because it's too hard. It's too hard. Cheryl McComb, have you ever sawed anything in half? Yes, I've absolutely. I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. Uh, listen. I knew you were going to say even, that. Even me and my sister Charlene. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Now Charlene's getting into the whole thing. You and Charlene have sawed something in half. What was it? We would enter the log sawing contest, and I'm going to tell you, <laughs> nothing will wear you out quicker. Where were you in a log sawing contest? At the Sogum Syrup Festival. Okay, see, that's my fault. Nancy, they see, didn't have those in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> see, this is totally my fault, because... Isn't it true, Matthew T. Mangino, high-profile lawyer? You never ask the question. You don't know the answer. See, I asked, I knew the answer with Karen Stark. She's got the perfect nails, the slender arms. I knew this girl had not picked up a song. <laughs> now, I didn't ask Cheryl to start with because I knew she probably had, but I didn't know she entered the what, Cheryl? The sorghum syrup what? Sorghum syrup festival in North Georgia. 
Yeah, See, yeah, Nancy, I asked Nancy, that, Nancy. that was that was poor cross examination. Very, um, very poor. <laughs> Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Well, let me ask you, Matthew Mangino, high-profile lawyer, former district attorney, author of The Executioner's Toll. And can I tell you what I like about the book? It's the crimes, arrests, trials, appeals, last meals, and final words of 46 people in the U.S. Because I'm always interested, what do they say to explain away whoever they murdered and what do they decide they want for their last meal? That's why I like your book. Mangino, have you ever sawed anything in half? I have sawed things in half. Not very well. Um, what? Uh, wood, other things that uh, around the home. I'm not, I'm not a handy guy. So basically, not so much. All right. I've got one other person I need to ask. And I'm hearing in my ear, we're just being joined by CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter Nicole Parton. Now, Nicole Parton is not just an investigative reporter. She's a mom, and she has adopted. How many children have you adopted, Nicole? Five. Wow. You know what? Five, and you currently have eight in my home. You are an angel, and you have earned your way into heaven, according to me. Of course, I'm not the ultimate authority on that. But I don't think I'd even be a very good reference, so don't use me when you get to the pearly gates. Nicole, 
With all those children, you had to have sawed something in half. I have, Nancy. I must confess, I do own a chainsaw, and I have cut a tree in half. Why? I was just, you know, handling business myself. You know how it is. I just Why did you have to cut a tree in half? I'm just curious. Um, The tree had fallen, and it was going to take a long time for for workers to come out and move it out of the way. So just got out there with the chainsaw. Well, I'm all about DIY, as you guys know. But I remember I was in um, off on a trial somewhere, and there had been a horrible snow, uh, sleet, ice disaster back home in Georgia. And my then, uh, now, now husband, was here and he was grounded because he travels all the time with his job and he happened to be Atlanta to catch the blizzard. And I called him. I said, hey, are you okay? I'm so glad the phones are working. He goes, yeah. I'm like, what's that in the background? He goes, it's his chainsaw. I'm like, what? He said, yeah, I went and got a chainsaw. I'm like, you put that down right now and you leave the trees right where they are or you'll be missing a leg the next thing you know. Anyway, thank you, heaven. He only destroyed one tree before he put the chainsaw down. Now, leading up to Dr. Kendall Crowns, the reason we don't like to saw things in half is because it's really hard. Oh, Cheryl McCollum, did you and your sister win by chance, or did you place in the sorghum syrup? What what did she say it was? Log splitting cutting contest? <laughs> We were champions two years running, undefeated. You know what? I don't believe her. I, I want to check that out because I think she's totally lying. Dr. Kendall Krause, how hard is it to cut up a human body? It's really hard. So it depends on where you cut at. So if you go to joint spaces, it's actually quite easy to dismember a body. I've done that a few times over the years. But if you go to like mid-shaft of the bone or something like that, it is actually... Why were you dismembering a body? Well, we occasionally have to remove sections of the body to evaluate them with anthropology. So you have to uh, remove parts, legs, arms. I've even removed heads for the anthropologist. Well, you just have all the fun, don't you? That I do every day. Dr. Crowns, but wouldn't you have to know... We're exactly where to cut to make it so easy because I I think it's really hard. I mean, I can barely pull a chicken apart to to, to fry the darn thing, much less. Well, so, yeah, yes, you would have to know. But just by saying you pulled a chicken apart, you know the the basics of uh, joint space. I didn't do it very well, Dr. Crowns. I had to get out the knife. Practice makes perfect. And it went from bad to worse. (laughs) You know, as uh, I've been told, you can buy them already in pieces. (laughs) That said, Dr. Kendall Crowns, you're making it sound easy, but it's not easy for a layperson to dismember a body. If you don't know what you're doing and you're cutting through bone, what happens? So commonly, the mistake is, is people don't go for joint spaces. You're correct. Most people try and cut in the mid portion of a bone. And it is very difficult to cut through bone, especially if you don't have an electric saw, because most of the ones, most people have a hacksaw that they try and cut through bone with and they get very tired. So uh, a lot of the dismemberment cases we see is they become frustrated or fed up with trying to cut through the body and just end up uh, giving up or lighting them on fire, which is also a very inefficient way of disposing of body. You know what? Unless you wrap them in tires. 
Matthew Mangino, have you ever had a case that you had to defend where the victim had been dismembered? Well, I actually had a prosecution, or actually defended a case in which there was, uh, you know, some effort at dismemberment. It was um, prior to when I was a prosecutor, and it was a very futile effort at, at dismemberment, but it was, there was an effort to dismember. Uh, a person who ultimately was charged, as in this case, with with first-degree murder. Guys, we're talking about a, a beautiful couple, a couple who, by all accounts, as far as we know right now, certainly did not deserve this. Take a listen to our friend Kevin Steele, the Montgomery County District Attorney. He was wrapped in a... Um white um, sheet and comforter and they were also um, unfortunately able to um, see uh, that there was uh, evidence of of Miriam um, in the house um, also um, and she was deceased. There were signs of extreme trauma. I'll tell you that a chainsaw was found. Both Reed and Miriam uh, were found in in, um, different stages of dismemberment various stages of dismemberment so whoever started didn't finish and this would never have been discovered if the son hadn't gotten concerned because his mom was only texting back and he couldn't get her on the phone you know to you karen stark um renowned psychologist joining us out of manhattan the shock of finding your parents not only dead, but dead and dismembered. I mean, you and I talked forever after I sat in the room with my dad when he passed away. And I almost wish I hadn't, but yet I'm glad I did because I could never forget those moments. I'd rather remember him alive and happy as opposed to that. But that sticks with you forever, Karen. Yes, it does, Nancy. And I do remember what happened with your dad. And what a way to discover that, I mean, at least you understood what had happened to your dad, but can you imagine if you walk into a scene and you realize that your parents are dead, but gruesomely something happened and they've been dismembered or hidden or something horrific? Uh-uh. And that's the scene that you walk into. You will never get over that. Cheryl McCollum. You and I have dealt with so many crime victims. It's the shock, the shock of not only your loved one being dead, but from violence, much less a dismemberment. No wonder crime victims are never the same. This would be something that your mind would not even allow you to process almost. Like you would not even be able to understand what you were seeing. And again, he probably had some concern that something had happened. You know, maybe they weren't feeling well. Maybe something was going on with his mom's phone. But again, it was enough care and concern that he had to go over there personally when he could no longer reach them by phone. Guys, now take a listen to Kevin Steele, the district attorney. The autopsy revealed uh, that both Reed and Miriam were uh, shot in the head. Um, we believe um, that happened uh, first. Um, there is evidence that a uh, pillow was used um, in, uh, in, the, in the shot, and it was one shot um, to each of their heads. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we hope and pray that that happened um, 
happened first. Dr. Kendall Crowns, medical examiner out of Fort Worth. When someone has been dismembered, it makes it so difficult to determine COD cause of death. How do you do it? As in this case, it was by gunshot wound. So usually with the dismembered bodies, uh, if there's an intervening cause of death, like a gunshot wound, stab wound, something of that nature, the wound itself will have uh, blood throughout the wound course. You know, the individual was alive when uh, they were shot or stabbed. And then the dismemberment, usually there isn't a lot of blood associated with the cutting of the tissues and uh, ripping away of the bones so that the wounds will actually be fairly bloodless and they will kind of have a tannish, dry appearance to them. So you can separate out uh, post-mortem injuries versus anti-mortem injuries or before-death injuries versus after-death injuries based on the tissue reaction in the blood. So, and that's usually what we find with dismemberments is they always are occurring after the fact, after the individual's death. Okay, let me try to translate that into regular people talk. I think you said that dismemberment usually occurs after the murder, and therefore the cuts due to dismemberment do not bleed or do not bleed very much. And you look at the body parts to determine if you can find a bullet wound or a stab wound, which would have bled. Is that what you just said? Correct, because when you get the initial gunshot wound, your heart's still beating. And then when they're cutting parts off of you, the blood is just oozing and there's no beating heart. Do you ever just hear what you're saying, like an objective bystander, and it all seems so normal? You sound like you're describing a a, a painting by Monet. It's just very calm, and you're talking about... The blood still is pumping while you're alive, and then after the murder, the blood's not pumping anymore, and so when you cut the body apart, there's not a lot of blood. You said that as cool as a cucumber. Well, if I present my findings in an emotional manner, I am no good at court because I don't come off as logical in thinking and instead of an emotional basket case, so... It's best to be in a logical manner when presenting findings. You know what you are, Crowns? You're brilliant. You're absolutely brilliant because nobody wants an agitated or excitable professional. Like, I don't want a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant, not to compare you to an accountant, of course. You don't want them to be excitable and agitated and emotional. No, no, no. You're absolutely right, Dr. Krauss. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Guys, we're talking about this as if it's a theory. But these are two lovely people, a mom and a dad. Uh, two seniors that walk hand in hand through the neighborhood every day. And again, I just keep thinking about Grady and Beulah, our next door neighbors. And who would do this? Trying to determine the answer to that question. Who would have done this to such a lovely couple? Well, when you don't know who did it, you look at the victims. In this case, did they have any enemies? Were they involved with drugs? Did they sneak away to Vegas on the weekend and blow a lot of money? Who are these people? Take a listen to our friend Maggie Kent, WPVI. 
The community is reeling. Miriam Tony Beck was a school nurse for 20 years at Lower Moreland High School. Reed Beck was a retired training director of Steamfitters Local Union 420. Just a friendly, nice man who, you know, when you you think about it today, you, you step back and reminisce. I mean, he, he taught a generation of, of apprentices. Understandably, it is really difficult for neighbors and friends to talk about the Becks in past tense. But there is a few stories that they wanted to share. One being that the Becks would go for a walk almost daily. Every single day, they were seen walking down the street, holding hands. So to Matthew Mangino joining us from near this jurisdiction Matthew Mangino, high-profile lawyer and author. Matthew, it's not them. They don't have a risky lifestyle. They're not shooting up on the corner. She's not a hooker. He's not selling drugs. Uh, They don't sneak away to Vegas and blow all their money. They don't have any enemies. They're the people in the neighborhood that everybody loves. It's like clockwork every day. They walk around the neighborhood. She was a school nurse for 20 years. There's no mystery there. Because defense attorneys very often will somehow try to blame the victim in some way. But these people are spotless. They're pure. Right. And if I was looking at this case initially, um, you know, I would want to know, you know, was there a robbery? Uh, you know, were there things taken from the home and and, uh, you know, was there other things that might in, be indicative of a, a stranger intruder? But the thing that would catch my eye would be the aspect of dismemberment. And dismemberment indicates someone who is trying to get rid of the evidence, get rid of the bodies. And so someone who comes in and commits a robbery, they're going to get the money, they'll kill you, and they're gone. They're not going to try to dismember your body and put put it into a garbage can to dispose of it. So so I'm thinking right off the bat, if I'm investigating this or advising investigators, is who would want to kill these people and then dispose of their bodies, dispose of the evidence? You know, Matthew Mangino, that is uh, very clear thinking and extremely astute. And in that line, take a listen to the DA. Uh, We are um, looking for uh, what motive um, could have been behind this. Um, I can't share one with you at this time. Um, We did find evidence uh, in the house of a safe that had been attempted to be broken into. Um, And we also believe that this happened over a period of of some time. their voices were last heard by a family member um, on the 7th of January. Um, so we believe that they may have been um, decomposing in, in that time. Um, and that was also, unfortunately, um, the, um, the, the smell that um, the uh, officers uh, got when they first came into the, into the house. To Dr. Kendall Crowns, the Chief Medical Examiner, Fort Worth. Dr. Crowns, why do decomposing bodies smell? And it's a smell you'll never forget. It's unlike anything else. The decomposing bodies smell because the bacteria that's in your intestines that help you digest food and all that after you die are no longer kept in check by the body and begin digesting or, de- or breaking you down into uh, more uh, 
breaking your body down. So it's the bacteria in your body that breaks you down. And when they break the breaks the body down, it creates kind of sulfurs and other compounds that create that distinctive odor. Uh, and that's and then gases as well as uh, methane is one that's pr- produced by the uh, breakdown of the body by bacteria. So again, it's your body's bacteria breaking you down into simpler matter. You know, Cheryl McCormick reminds me of top mom Casey Anthony. Remember when her truck was opened by her own mother, Cindy Anthony, and the mom yes. said it smells like a dead body's been in the car. Right. There is a smell about a dead body. I really can't explain it's unlike any other smell and you'll never forget it and there's no way to ignore it there's no way to say it's anything else casey anthony tried to say it was a rotten pizza box or something not even close um you know the sad thing again in this situation it seems like they you know we're in that state for some period of time in their home alone and that's a real shame and that's a real indicator Because as I've said about many other high-profile cases, who would take the time and the effort to do this? To Nicole Parton joining us, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter. So someone did try to get into the safe, but seemingly was unsuccessful. Do you know if there was a forced entry? Was anything else taken? Were either one of them sex assaulted before or after death? Do we know any of that? There was no sign of forced entry. No signs of any sexual abuse, sexual assault. We do know that there were holes that had been drilled into the family safe. So obviously someone that did not have the code or the key had tried to get into the safe but were unsuccessful. We were also being told that nothing else was missing from the home. So someone came into the home, no forced entry, and drilled holes into the Beck's safe in their home? Correct. So someone was trying to get into that safe that didn't have a key, didn't have the combination. They were unsuccessful, but they had drilled holes into the safe trying to get into it. Nicole Parton, I'm sure you have. Have you looked at their home? It's perfectly kept. Like their yard is perfect. The shrubs are perfect. There is not one leaf from those trees. Most of them are evergreens, though. Not one leaf on the lawn. Nothing. The the um, walkway up to their front door is perfectly clean. The sidewalk in front of their home, everything's perfect. But my point is, the home is not a mansion. Now, it's a pretty ritzy area. I'll grant you that. It's a, isn't that a suburb of Philly, Matthew Mangino? Yes, it is. It's, it's in Montgomery County, about 15 miles uh, from Philadelphia, it's the home of Pennsylvania's new governor, Josh Shapiro. So it's a nice neighborhood, but this home itself is not a multi-million dollar mansion. It looks like a family home that somebody bought back in the 50s or 60s, maybe, and raised their children, their two children, and that the parents still live there uh, for a school nurse and a union man. You know, it reminds me a lot of the home I grew up in, as a matter of fact. But who would want to break in to a home like that and try to get into the safe? There is no way somebody would break into that home and murder two people and then be unsuccessful with that safe. There's no way. If anything else, they would try to 
you know, take it off the wall, take it with them. This sounds like somebody that almost Googled how to break into it and failed miserably. But back to Dr. Kendall Crowns, Chief Medical Examiner, Tarrant County, Fort Worth. I know that their voices were last heard on the 7th of January. They had been decomposing for many days to that degree. If you have that degree of decomposition, doctor, can you still determine COD cause of death? Uh, Yes, you can. You can still figure out what people died from. the injuries are still there. You'll still find damage to the organs, even though they may be decomposed or liquefied. But you'll also find injuries to the bones as well that'll be significant for gunshot wounds or fractures that are significant for beatings and things like that. So what would it ha- what would have to happen to the body in order for there to be an undetermined cause of death? Uh, to, they would have to be literally cremated. Uh, otherwise, most of the time, we are able to figure out a cause of death. Cremated, and to be cremated, you have really high temperatures, not like an oven or a fire in the back of the yard. They have to be incinerator gray temperatures to get rid of it, right? To get rid of evidence. That's correct. So, guys, I want you to take a listen to Ann McCormick, WPVI. It was a couple's son who grew concerned after he hadn't spoken to his parents in a week. He went to their home, saw a body inside, confronted his sister, and then left and called 911. The couple's son told authorities he believed that he was texting with his parents all week. Now authorities believe his sister was using the parents' phone to make the son think that they were still alive. Uh, Cheryl McCollum, what do you make of that? Someone going to the links of fake texting. We saw that with Brian Laundrie and Gabby Petito, where he referred to her, I believe it was her uncle or grandfather by their name, like Tom, instead of saying, Grandpa, how is Grandpa? Right. She said, how's Tom? And they went, that's not right. Correct. I think everything she did after these murders to cover up the crime is very telling. Hiding them under sheets, beheading them and dismembering, trying to, you know, hide the bodies. She had to get chainsaws and dollies. She had to keep the phones charged, Nancy, in order to do this text messaging. She told him that she herself was sick, trying to get him not to come over. She turned the lights out. She wouldn't answer the door. She moved the bodies with that dolly, creating creating the marks in the carpet. She did something every single day, every single minute after these murders to try to cover it up. In furtherance of a cover-up, take a listen to Marcus Espinosa, Fox 29. Steele believes that the parents were killed on or around January 7th. The daughter is a resident of the home, and Steele says it's clear she tried to hide the bodies both by dismemberment and also may have impersonated the parents via cell phone. That's when um, their voices had last been heard. Um, And I say that specifically because um, it seems like the daughter may have had uh, access to their phones and may have been texting uh, on their on their behalf. Wow. Okay. there's no way around that. Matthew Mangino, if that can be proved, that is serious intent. Well, yeah, there's no question. I mean, there there are um, certain uh, situations here that lend itself to to the fact that she understood what she was doing and she understood right from wrong. Although this is macabre and, and you're in a house for 
a number of days with your deceased parents while you're trying to dismember their bodies, uh, that is indicative of someone who knows that they did something wrong and are trying to cover it up. So it doesn't look like insanity is going to be an option in this case. Nancy? Yeah, jump in. That's uh, Dr. Karen Stark, go ahead. So this is this type of person, I want to tell you, is not mentally ill and certainly uh, doesn't have any kind, doesn't suffer from what we know of the severe abuse. She's an antisocial offender. What do you mean by that? That means that she's doing this for selfish reasons. Her parents are in her way. She wants something like their money or freedom. In this case, it seems like money because somebody tried to break into the safe, and I assume it must be her. And so she lacks emotion. She lacks empathy for others. She doesn't, she knows exactly what she's doing. But she doesn't care. Antisocial. You know, I hear that phrase used a lot, of course, um, in common vernacular. But when you think of it in the sense of a psychiatric or psychological disorder, it takes on a whole different meaning, Karen Stark. That's right, because it really is describing a personality, somebody that we have trouble really comprehending because they don't have a conscience and they don't care. Makes you think of um, the brothers, Lyle and Eric Mendez, right? Right. Mendez, who killed their parents and they knew what they were doing. They really wanted the money. I still have in my head about that, Karen Stark, which we've talked about a lot. The mother, Kitty Menendez, crawling down the hall, begging for her life. And they just followed her with a gun and killed her. To Nicole Parton joining me, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter. Nicole, take a listen to Maggie Kent, WPVI. Their 43-year-old daughter, Verity, was inside, as were three guns. Police knew they needed to approach with caution. They used drones. They, they threw in a camera, which was able to search most of the area. When they breached the door and made their way inside, Verity walked down the steps, hands raised. She just confirmed that her parents were deceased and was concerned about um, her, her cats and dog. They were the only words that she uttered. It's evident that the Becks had been deceased for some time. They were both shot once in the head. Whether they were sleeping or not, you just you just hope that they were. Nicole Parton, what can you tell me about the, re- uh, the arrest of the adult daughter, Verity Beck? Verity Beck is a school teacher at St. Catherine School of Special Education. She's now facing two counts of first-degree murder, for the death of her parents, decapitated her father and severed her mother into eight pieces, Nancy, with a chainsaw. Okay, hold on. Will you say that one more time? What? Decapitated her father and then cut her mother into eight pieces, threw her in the trash cans in the garage. The chainsaw was still laying there with the biological material on it from her family. And she was Karen Stark. Boy, do I need a shrink again. All she said was she was worried about her cats and dogs. Uh, Let me tell you, Nancy, that she can connect to animals because animals just, they give to you. You don't have to really interact with them in an important way. And think about that. It's just amazing that she had no hesitation She was able to decapitate her father and take apart her mother in eight pieces. I can't even cut up a piece of chicken. I mean, think about it. She just chopped her mother up, Cheryl McCollum, and 
what, seven or eight pieces. And when the cops come in, she goes, but what about my cat and dog? That's right. And even before that, Nancy, she spent 30 minutes talking to her own brother in that scene with their parents dead with blood everywhere. Like nothing was wrong. Like she was just sitting in the living room reading a magazine and there's like eight pieces of her mother over there. Guys, take a listen now to WPVI. Verity um, used this chainsaw um, and then had put um, parts of her parents uh, into um, trash bags. This 55-gallon trash bin, authorities say, held some of the couple's remains and was transported to the coroner's office along with her father's decapitated body. Tuesday evening, the couple's concerned son entered the home, found a body with a sheet over it, spoke to his sister, left, and called 911. When police arrived, they made the grisly discovery and they asked Verity, where are your parents? And Verity replied, they are dead. Shooting her elderly parents in their heads, dismembering their bodies with a chainsaw, stuffing them in trash cans. This all comes to light after the adult son tells cops he had not spoken to his parents verbally since Jan 7. Possible motive? Do we care what the motive is? Take a listen to more from ABC Philly. They also found guns belonging to Verity and believe they found the murder weapon. The crime left neighbors dumbfounded. I'm completely stunned. It's a quiet neighborhood, very friendly, kids all over the place. Authorities are still searching for a motive. We did find evidence uh, in the house of a safe that had been attempted to be broken into. A daughter shooting her parents in the head before using a chainsaw to dismember them. Cheryl McCollum, uh, you and I both worked on dismemberment cases where portions of the victim, well, where the victim was in portions. I think that that's very difficult for a jury to take in not only the murder but the dismemberment when the person is actually sane because you would expect the defendant to be insane to commit a dismemberment you would and you know you're also talking about somebody that was a special education teacher so you have this idea that they are a comfort to people and understand and are patient and kind and then she's able to do something like this for seemingly no reason at all but if you take everything step by step this was not somebody 18 or 19 this was a woman middle-aged still living with her parents that's a flag the fact that she's going to buy all these guns for what that's a flag now you've got these issues that are probably well known to the brother because again when he goes over there he doesn't flip out He's able to talk to her calmly for 30 minutes in order, I believe, to save his own life. Matthew Mangino question. This is in Pennsylvania. Now, Pennsylvania does have the death penalty, but is it correct that no one has been executed since around 1976? Well, yeah, there have been three executions since 1976 in Pennsylvania. They were all volunteers, people who gave up their rights and, and just uh, agreed to be executed. The last one was in 1999, and, and Governor Wolf, who just left office, uh, had imposed a, a moratorium on signing uh, death warrants. So, so, you know, the death penalty, while it's on the books and there's a hundred and some people on death row, 
uh, it's it's not working in Pennsylvania. Karen Stark, what do you make of a person that is legally sane, but not only murders their parents and then dismembers? We go back, Nancy, to the fact that there are no feelings. She has no emotions. She can only connect to, I guess, children and animals because they don't demand much from you. They just care about you and love you. She is not like anybody that we usually know. She doesn't care. And now the son is left with nothing but memories of his parents walking hand in hand through the neighborhood. I know he will never be able to reconcile that image, that loving image, with what he saw in the home that day. His parents murdered and dismembered, and his sister sitting there like nothing had happened. We wait as justice unfolds. Goodbye, friend. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 